Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said these familiar words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, There is only one way. Say one way. Pray with me. God, thank you for being the way. Thank you for your word. God, I pray, Lord, now that you would teach us by your spirit. God, I ask you to strengthen my body, anoint my mouth and my mind to say the things that would honor you. I, God, I ask you today to give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, we come with, for, with hurts and pains and rejoicing and, and all different types of emotions in our minds. God, I pray you'd steady us today and pour into us what you'd have us to know. In Jesus' name, amen. There is only one way. That title alone would be enough uh, to get me in trouble with a lot of people, uh, especially in the media. Uh, the media has just determined every, every year the media goes further and further and further away from God as if that were possible. But we are living in a world, listen, we're living in a world that some are calling a post-church world. Uh, the, the world will never be post-church because the church isn't going anywhere. Uh, the church are the blood-bought, redeemed people of God. The church isn't the bricks and the steeple. It's the people. Uh, we come together because God's commanded us to gather together in his name. But we need to know and understand right off the bat that the world we live in does not believe these five words. They do not believe there's only one way. That if they believe at all, and many don't, but if they believe at all, they believe there must be more than one way. Some have said it this, this way. How can there only be one way? Well, I'll tell you how there can only be one way because Jesus said so. I thank God for my mom. She was hard on us, and, and uh, she, she, she was great in many ways. She was tough in many ways, but she prepared me well for the kingdom of God by telling me, because I said so. My mom taught me early to understand that authority was not to be played with. Some of y'all raising children to hate authority, to despise authority. Some of y'all were raised to hate and despise authority. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says for itself that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's an authority in the earth, and there's authority that reigns over everything that is speaking through this book. And that authority is Jesus Christ. And he said of himself, I'm the only way. It's not popular. It's not within current teaching. It's not what you're going to learn from watching television, but it is the word of the Lord. Let's get into it this morning. I want to back up to verse 1 in chapter 14, and I want to walk through verse by verse some teaching this morning, and I want you to grab hold of what God's word is saying. In John 14, 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, when we're reading, we're going to pay attention to what? Pay attention to the punctuation. It will help you digest these verses. Take them in bite-sized pieces so you can get them down in your spirit. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Now, I'm going to treat you today, some bit today, like we were Wednesday night Bible study class where we get um, on an academic level, where we get on a university level, and we slow it down. Uh, I'll let you, we do interactive open discussion on Wednesday night. I'll let you do a little bit of that right now. Why would Jesus, now he's talking to his 12. He's, he's sitting at the Last Supper talking to his 12. Why would he tell the 12 men that knew him the best on the planet not to let their heart be troubled? Because their heart was troubled. Why, why would this, if we, and I've told you many times, this was word for them then to their specific situation, but it's also word to us now for our every situation. And why would God's word to us today be to not let our hearts be troubled? Because our hearts can be troubled. I, if you don't get anything, get this. I'm going to jump ahead real quick and, and, and give you one of the most powerful uh, statements that I'm going to say all morning. Jesus never wanted us to have a life without trouble, but he promised we could have an untroubled heart even in a troubled life. Do you get that? Some people, so many people, preachers on TV, preachers on the radio are promising, lying, promising with their lies that the people that listen to them, let me take it on a more real level, that the people who send money to them will have an untroubled life. And that's not taught in the scripture. These people that are promising, uh, God about to bring you your miracle. God is about to break through. You may be the janitor now, but you're about to be the CEO. Now you're going to be the janitor. In no world, supernatural, divine job, uh, uh, supernatural promotion. Uh, you go from the janitor to the head janitor. Now, see, some of y'all don't want to believe it. I believe my God. Anything is, yes, anything is possible. Uh, but I want you to tell me the person who jumped from janitor to CEO. But with God, anything, yes, with God, anything is possible. Uh, uh, but you got to say what God says, not what you want it to say. I saw one person put on social media this week, even if God didn't say it, you say it and believe in what you say. And I thought, well, there it is. There's the full circle of this misunderstanding of faith. Faith, biblical faith, Christian faith must have an object. Jesus said, have faith in God. What's being taught by many today is just have faith in your ability to have faith. Just, it, I mean, we, I, I told y'all, Jim Carrey walked around when he was broke and homeless, wrote a check to himself, put it in his pocket for $10 million dollars. And he said he looked at that check constantly, and he spoke to the universe for that $10 million. And he knew one day he'd be able to cash a check to himself for $10 million. And he, he said after the movie Liar, Liar, uh, which is funny, uh, after the movie Liar, Liar hit so big, he was able to actually cash a check to himself for $10 million. And you got people saying, speak it to the universe. It's all the same voodoo. It's all the same hocus pocus. We have to believe in what God says because I'm going to tell you something. If you say what God says, you'll be on the right side. 
But if you just start saying it's just crazy, I know people that are believing God. I told you one time about a pastor. He, he carries his little briefcase around everywhere he goes. Inside his briefcase is a sketch drawing that he made of his 26,000 square foot mansion that God has promised him. Now, I need to see that in the book. I need to see where God promised anybody that type of, of uh, opulence. I need to see where God promised anybody that type of excess. And he's not talking about using it as a church. He's not talking about using it as a food and clothing ministry. He's not talking about using it as a shelter for teenagers or homeless single mothers or any other thing that you might think. He's talking about just spreading out and being big. This stuff that we're seeing on TV is not real Christianity. Now, are there any real preachers on TV? Probably. Uh, but they're not spending 29 minutes of a 30-minute show begging for money so they can stay on air to beg for more money. We, we, we need to hear the real word of the Lord. Jesus never said that our life would be trouble-free. He, he said, as long as you're in this life, you'll have trouble. He said, as long as you're in this life, the poor will always be with you. We've got preachers preaching about come to Jesus and he's going to give you double for your trouble. Come to Jesus and every, every one of your problems is going to go away. I'm going to tell you the truth because I'm not trying to sell you on religion and I'm not trying to get your money. I'm trying to be faithful to the Lord because I have to stand before him one day and give an account for every word that I spoke over the flock that he made me overseer of and give an account for that truthfully. I, I tell you the truth. I came to Jesus and I got some extra trouble anybody I came to Jesus and I found there were some things I didn't like I came to Jesus and I found out he's always trying to correct me change me shape me mold me he's always trying to get me to be less of me and more of he and that ain't comfortable for anybody Come to Jesus and everything's going to be all right well if you think if you're talking about the right thing let me tell you, well, was there any reason to come to Jesus? Yes, because hell's hot and eternity's long, and I don't want to go there. I, because I want to have a real relationship with the only true God that there is. You say, well, why in the world, would, if God is a loving God, why, why, why would he make only one way? Let me tell you this. It's God's world. He gets to make the rules. It, it's just like mama when she's cooking. Go in there and try to add something else. You slap your hand, tell her, get out of my kitchen. You, you don't know what you're doing. This is my soup. I'm making it. Listen, it's God's world. He made it. He gets to set the rules. See, I don't argue with people about heaven, hell, and eternity. I ask people, uh, are you born again? Well, I don't believe in born again. Me and God got our own deal worked out. I said, well, which God are you talking about? Are you talking about the God uh, of Jesus Christ? Are you talking about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you talking about the God in this Bible? Because if you're talking about the God in this Bible, he promised there's only one way to get to the heaven he's in. So I don't know what heaven you think you're going to, but if you want to go to the heaven where Jesus is, there's only one way. Say one way. But he comes and he tells them, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, this, this, if you read chapter 13, you, you see some reasons why they would have troubled hearts. He, he's, this is the last supper. For those of y'all been in church for a while, y'all know this is, this is the night Jesus would get betrayed, be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, uh, die on a cruel cross, and on the third day rise again. But he had just told them that one of them was a traitor. Uh, that, that's upsetting. 
Imagine if, if you're sitting, pretending like you got a big family. If you're sitting down at the table with your 11 brothers and sisters, and dad walks in the room and says, one of y'all sold the family out. It's Ray Ray, ain't it, dad? I knew it was Ray Ray. See, that's how the human mind would think. But in the presence of the Lord, when Jesus told them at the table, one of you sitting here is going to betray me, the, the, the scripture records it this way. They each began to say, is it I? And they didn't, they didn't say it the way you might be thinking they said it. The, the, the Greek verbiage more literally says, please say it ain't me. Please say it ain't me. You ought to have a please say it ain't me mindset. Because if you've been in church for any length of time, you've seen pastors blow it. You, you, you've, you've seen people who used to preach, teach, teach, lead worship, now out in the world living for the devil. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This, this is real. Y'all keep acting like I'm, I, I'm, my shoes are tied. I'm making sure. Y'all elbow somebody say pay attention. We need to get out of here on time today. Jesus is, is, is telling them, one, one of y'all is going to betray me. And they start saying, is it I, is it I? Listen, I tell you, I, I got goals in my life. I got things I want to accomplish. But the one big thing I want to accomplish is finishing right. I don't want it to be me. I don't want it to be me. And you better not want it to be you either. You could be the very one that the devil uses to bring down the plan of God. You could be the very one that the devil uses to mess up a whole bunch of lives and a whole bunch of people. And you ought to have a please say it ain't me. Because no matter how holy you think you are, no matter how fire baptized you claim to be, no matter how much uh, scripture you can quote, at one minute with your eyes off Jesus and you go right back to where he found you. We see that in the life of the apostles. They went right back to fishing. But Jesus has just told them uh, a bunch of stuff that, that got them messed up emotionally. He, he said that, that one of them was a traitor. He told them that they would all deny him. He, they're all making these big claims. He told them, y'all aren't even going to stand with me. And, and, and it, you know, then Peter's like, all the rest of these dudes, probably so, because they're weak, soft back. Jellyback milk toast brothers that you can't count on. But me, I'm down for the cause. Jesus singled him out and said, Yeah, you're down for the cause. They're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times. Don't sell all those wolf tickets about how, how great you are. Walk in humility. Understand, I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need. Some of y'all need to listen to some songs that came out before 1990. All this bubblegum Christian rock music and all this hillbilly music and all this worldly, fleshly gospel music. Listen, get you something that draws your heart close to God. Get you something that causes you to think about God. I hear so many songs being sung in church environments today that sing about the people, what we're going to do, what we're going to do, what we're going to do. I, hey, what we're going to do is fickle. What God is going to do is faithful. So we, we, we got to get our minds centered on God. Jesus has just told them some really disturbing things. Not only did he say one of y'all is a traitor, all of y'all are going to deny me. This head mouth over here is going to deny me three times. He, he, he told them, I'm going to leave you. He let them know, I'm leaving you. Not only am I leaving you, but I'm leaving you to die. 
Now, this is really messing them up in a heavy way because these were Jewish people. These were followers of Jehovah. These were people who had been raised up in a Hebrew mindset and told that Messiah, when he came, would establish the rule of God's people, would sit on the throne of David and put all their enemies at his feet. So you had a lot of militant brothers following Jesus. You had a lot of militant mindset following Jesus, and they were following him saying, we, we want you to put these Romans under us. They, you had, see, there was them preachers, there was them radio preachers back then. You might be, you might be the slave now, but you're about to rise up and be the master. You, they might be putting their foot on your neck now, but you're going to put your, listen, life ain't about trading one oppressor for another oppressor. Life's about trading going the wrong way for going the right way. Life's not about you rising up and beating down your enemies. Life's about you loving everybody and letting God sort it out. But he's told them a lot of troubling things. See, these people, now think about it. Think about if you were following someone and he told y'all, all oh, y'all ain't about nothing. Y'all say y'all with me. None Y'all all going to deny me. Mouth over there going to deny me three times. I'm leaving y'all. I'm leaving. I'm I'm gonna die, and they're all thinking you can't die. We 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 said you were Messiah. You're gonna set up a throne. You're gonna make us all royalty. See this this desire to to be a king or a queen. There is but one king. Five people, and one said three times. So that's that's two people. Do you want to be a king? Do you want to be a queen? Or do you want to be connected to the king of kings? This, this, this is something to think about this morning. God resists the proud, the Bible says, but give grace to the humble. These people are being told some stuff that's not sitting well with them because they've left everything. They've left their family. They've left their religion. They, they, they've been They've turned on things that they said they'd never turn on to follow this man that they are believing is going to set up an earthly kingdom. And he, he tells them this, I'm dying. It's over. I'm heading into Jerusalem. They, I'm going to be turned over in the hands of sinful men. They're going to crucify me, and I'm going to die. And this is messing with their minds, and they're like, well, wh what are we going to do? If you ever had anybody die, on you, which I have, if you ever had anybody close to you die that you cared about, there's a sense of, they left, didn't it? There's, there's a sense of, what, what am I supposed to do now? I had all my eggs in this one basket. They had all their eggs in the Jesus basket, and he's telling them, I'm leaving. Listen, they didn't understand the big picture. Say big picture. They, 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 they understood in part just like we understand in part. That's why some intellectual people have trouble following Christianity because Christianity, although it is logical, although it's rational, although it's believable, although it's scientifically provable, although it's archaeologically provable, it, 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 there are many things that you can't figure out. And when you can't figure it out, you have to faith it out. And intellectual people, they're not prone to that. And when your mind locks onto something and the Word of God says something else, I wonder, do you trust your mind or trust the Word? Jesus said he was the Word. He was the living Word, and everything he spoke was Word to these people. And he told them, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die this weekend. By this, this time tomorrow, I'll be done. 
And they're thinking, you can't be done. You've got to establish it this way, this way. Let me tell you this. Get this. It's not always going to work out the way you thought it was going to work out. But can you trust God in flexibility? It's not always going to be what you thought it was going to be, but can you trust God while you roll with the punches? It's not always going to be what you thought it was going to be, but can you trust God while he works out his way? Mm, See, we want what we want. We want it now. We want it how we want it. And that's why the early church could not stay unified. They had to split into denominations. They had to fracture the body of Christ and shove a bunch of people off in this direction, a bunch of people off in that direction. So now you got a whole group of people that, that have no emotion tied into their religion, and you got a whole bunch of people who are overly emotional and have no truth tied into their religion. So you, they, they, they couldn't accept the fact that it is what he says it is. Now we want it how we want it. You know, hey, y- y'all don't all get the opportunities I get. Uh, now I don't even understand how. I-, I hope you take it down before I get there. I don't even understand. I've still seen it though. Go go into somebody's house and, and have a, a a white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus sitting at the Lord's table at the Last Supper. And you, I'm not going to not say something about it. What, what, kind of, what kind of Israel do you believe in? What kind of Middle East do you believe in that has blonde-haired, blue-eyed people? That's just not legitimate. That's not realistic. Jesus was, was not white. But, uh, uh, so if it's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, now here's what's funny. I've been in black people's homes that had a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus hanging. Well, you just believe anything, won't you? Uh, but I, I, I've seen Jesus with an afro. Jesus was not African. People want to make God what they want him to be instead of reading what he said he is. They wanted him to be what they wanted him to be. They wanted him to be a right now earthly king that would get them out from under their trouble. And Jesus is telling them, let not your heart be troubled. You don't, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. You get the worst news of your life and somebody's like, oh, it'll be okay. What? Did you hear what I just heard? He's leaving us. He's going to die. We put all our chips in on this dude, and now he's going to die. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm saying it to you again. He, he didn't promise us a trouble-free life. He just promised us that we could have an untroubled heart in a troubled life. I wonder what kind of trouble you're in right now. Uh, hopefully, you're not hiding from the law. Please don't tell me if you are. The government requires that I'm a mandatory reporter, okay? Don't don't believe all these TV shows you watch. Uh, This ain't the 1500s. You can't come to a priest and confess you killed somebody. Not in America. They put me in jail with you at that point. Uh, But but we all have have different troubles. Some, Some people have financial troubles. Some people have emotional troubles. Some people have spiritual troubles. Some, some people have uh, physical troubles. Some people have relationship troubles. Some people are like, I just check all them boxes, preacher. I'm just a wreck. Well, it ought, to be, you, it ought to be easier for you than anyone else in the room to really embrace Jesus and the love that he has for you because it's at the point where you realize I don't have anything else but God that you can hold on to God in a real way. It wasn't working out for them. It just wasn't working out for them. And instead of saying, oh, it's okay, baby, 
We're going to give you what you want. We're going to let you have your way. He said, no, in the midst of not getting your way, don't let your heart lead you wrong. Because it's hard for the mind to accept what the heart rejects. When you get in your feelings, it's hard for you to accept truth. But you got to accept truth here and here. You got to embrace it here and here. And he was telling them some things that, that was getting their feelings in the way. But he told them, look, don't, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. Uh, semicolon. So you got to stop and, and think about that. Now, we talked about it for a minute. He tells them, don't let your heart be troubled. I just gave you the worst news you've ever heard. You know, just imagine. Now, I can't even say that because some of y'all throw a party. Um, your spouse came home and said, hey, I'm leaving tonight. I'm, I'm getting hit by a train tonight. I'm, some of y'all will be like on the phone, whoa, it's over. Uh, so that won't work. But the person you love the most, the person that you were tied up with the most, if, they, if you knew they were leaving you tonight, your heart would be hurt. He didn't say, don't, don't, don't be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. He didn't say, don't, don't be concerned, don't be upset. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. That word be is a present tense right now verb. Don't live in that. Don't stay in that. Digest it and move on. Jesus told them some stuff he knew was going to trouble them, but he didn't want their heart to be. He didn't want it to stay. He didn't want it to be active with them forever. You got to accept that it is what it is and let God deal with it. He told them it is what it is. He knew it was going to upset them. So he comes in reassurance mode. He comes and lets them know, hey, don't let your heart be troubled by what I said. Don't hold on to this troubled feeling you got. And then he gives them the remedy. Say remedy. He says, you believe in God, comma. That, that, that's a given. He knew they believed in God. He knew that they were Hebrews. He knew that they'd come up their whole life hearing about Jehovah and how Jehovah had brought their people out and how the 12 tribes of Israel had crossed over and came out of what they came out of and into what they came into. They had a rock-solid belief in God. But Jesus was a new thing. Jesus was, was just coming around uh, their way. See, some people think that the disciples followed Jesus for three and a half years because Jesus had about a three and a half year earthly ministry. These guys did not follow Jesus for three and a half years. Most of them followed him for about a year and ten months at best. And it was only really in the last year and a half that many of them locked in and, and got off of doing what they were doing and really followed him fully. So these people have been following him for about a year and a half. He knew they believed in God, but then he tells them, and this is going to be one of the last opportunities he has to tell them this, and he's been declaring this throughout his entire ministry. He said, believe also in me. He equates himself to God here. He equates himself to uh, the mandate that you've got to believe in me the way you believe in God. Now, if you read Greek, which most people don't, but the New Testament was primarily written in Greek, and there are some language gaps. When I've preached with an interpreter before, because I say a lot and I talk fast and I use a lot of ghettoisms, uh, sometimes I see the interpreter look and like, nah. I don't know why Spanish people say, eh. What, what does that mean? Nothing? Ae, ae, eh. Uh, como se dice, broke down like four flat tires on a Lexus. Uh, uh, 
Well, you can figure that out. But there's some, some, some words that don't necessarily ha- have an exact meaning. I guarantee you this. If they went back a thousand years ago, if they just transported you back a thousand years and you walked up to somebody and you're like, what up, dog? They would look at you like you had insulted them, like, what, what, what up? Where's the S on that word? What's up? I don't know. And, and where's a dog? There are just certain words that are transitionally difficult. So if you go to the original language, sometimes you can get a greater, more expansive understanding. The primary word for believe in Greek is pistos. That's not the word used here. The word used here is pistiou. And it, it means to not just have a, a head belief, to not just embrace it's a truthful fact, but to trust in it with everything you have. Not just believe in it randomly like, like we believe in, in the, the, the Nina, the Penta, and the Santa Maria. When's the last time you heard that? That's just a little old school throwback for you right there. That, are those the right ones? Okay, I don't know. Uh, uh, we, we believe some folk came over on that, but I don't know. That could all be a scam. They might have burned all the real history of America and started over. You know there's wrong stuff in history books, anybody? Okay, so uh, but, so I believe for the most part, now, now I believe George Washington first president of the United States. It threw me for a loop when I found out he didn't become president until 1769. No, 1789, 13 years after. Well, who was presidenting before that? It wasn't George Washington, but what I'm saying is belief has varying levels. The, 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 the word for believe being used here is an all-in belief. It's I'm trusting on it with everything I have. That's why I love the amplified version of John 3.16 because John 3.16 in, in most common versions say, for, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So believe in him. Well, that sounds simple. And for some people, they, they don't really have the right type of belief, say type of belief. The, the Amplified, the old Amplified, the extended Amplified, not the new one that's out now, but the extended Amplified version says that uh, God, even he himself, so dearly loved and greatly prized this world that he, even he, gave his one and only true son begotten of him, that whosoever, meaning anyone, that believes in, and now here's where the belief part comes, catch this, that believes in, trusts in, clings to, and relies on him and him alone shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, Jesus said you believe in God, you trust in God, you cling to God and God alone for your eternity. He said take that same way you believe in him and believe in me. The, 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 the Jesus had just told him, y'all all going to deny me. The Jesus had just told him, one of you is a traitor. The Jesus that just told him that, 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 that Peter's going to deny him three times. The Jesus that just told him it's not going to work out for y'all the way y'all thought it to. He's now saying, you got to raise your level of belief in me to the same way you believe in God. I wonder if you can say that today. Do you believe in Jesus Christ of Nazareth the same way you say you believe in God. And let me take you to an even further level. Do you believe in Jesus the way Jesus says you need to believe in him? See, a lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. 
A lot of people are going, because they say in their head they know that, that Jesus died and rose again, but they don't really cling to that with everything on the inside. And Jesus is telling them, you got to believe in me the same way you say you believe in God. This is what Jesus had been going around for three years telling people, and this is why the Pharisees wanted to kill him. This is why they turned him over to the government and said, we need to have him executed because he's walking around saying that he's God. He's walking around saying that we should believe in him, but we have no other God but Jehovah. You see, when you're so proud that you think you've already got all the information locked down, you reject new information. Jesus came and gave them new information, and they rejected it. Jesus came and gave them greater understanding, and, and the people rejected it. The Scripture says he came to his own, but his own received him not. He, the, the very people that he created turned on the Creator, and he told them, here's some new information. you got to believe in me the way you believe. In God. Now, how do they believe in God? They believed in God with everything they had. He said, you got to believe in me that way. How did they believe in God? They believed in that God was in control of everything and that he was going to work it out. Jesus said, that's how you have to believe in me because you can't see it working out for you right now, but you got to believe in me the way you believe in God. See, some people, even people who claim the name of Jesus, fall flat on their face every time they hit a speed bump. They just fall out as if they had no faith. They just can't seem to grasp. Oh, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why. But why? Why is it so hard? Why isn't it working out? All that is is lack of faith. That's not believing in God. That's not believing that God is not only the creator, but he's the controller. He created everything. He controls everything. He's large and in charge. He does what he wants to. The Bible says he asks no counsel from anyone and does not take advice. God's not interested in, in what we think should be done. Well, this is the way I think we should do it. Uh, no, God got his way. And it. listen, some of y'all, you know the expression, it's my way or the? It's God's way or the hell way. That's your only options. So I, I recommend you get on the right page of music. I recommend you, you, get, on, you get on gospel. You get on believing in Jesus the same way. Listen, the, he told you, you got to believe in me the way you believe in God. They had never seen God. They never sat down and ate a meal with God. They, they, they never walked around. With, and Jesus is about to leave them. So he's saying, you're going to have to believe in me even when you can't see me. You're going to have to believe in me when you don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Do you have that kind of faith in Jesus today? Do you have the kind of faith where you believe in, that Jesus is alive, that he's in heaven? See, they believe God was in heaven, ruling and controlling. Jesus said, you got to believe that about me. you got to believe all these things about me. Listen, if Jesus was alive right now, they'd call him the most arrogant, the, the most closed-minded, the most opinionated human being that ever lived. Why? I mean, you can't go much higher than saying, you know, I'm God. I mean, that's, that, 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 that's pretty good. I mean, you, you got people out there comparing themselves uh, to other great people. Uh, once you, you, you got over the top when, when you say that. But he's saying you got to believe. You're about to. You've believed me because you've seen me. Remember what he said earlier in the Gospels? Blessed are you uh, who you, you believe in me because you've seen me. He, he said, blessed are those who have believed and not yet seen. See, that, we're in that not yet seen part. That's why I'm the wrong dude to come to and tell me that Jesus appeared to you in your bedroom and sat down with you and y'all had chips and dip and he let you in on the skinny. 
They had to take no faith. Faith is what pleases God. They had faith in God that they hadn't seen. They had faith in God that, that, that was in heaven. And Jesus said, y'all, I'm about to be in a position where y'all aren't going to see me, but you got to still believe in me. So the remedy for a troubled heart, and you can couch that term any way you want to, anxiety, fear, depression, worry, mind won't stop racing, all that stems from, listen, lack of faith. I didn't say you were horrible if you, if you had any of those issues. I said it stems from lack of faith. You can untrouble your heart, which will untrouble your mind, by this remedy. Jesus told them what to do, and he gave them the remedy for their problem. If you will just believe. Believe what? Believe Jesus is God. Believe that he's in control. Believe that he knows what he's doing even when you don't understand what he's doing. So then he goes on. In verse 2, and he says, in my father's house are many mansions, semicolon. Pause on the punctuation. Let's take this bite-sized piece right here. This, what's on your screen is the New King James Version. Uh, people ask me, Pastor, what's the best version to read? I'll tell you all the time, whichever one you read. You can, be, you can be a King James Version snob, but if you don't read it, it's doing you no good. You can be a New American Version snob if you don't read it. You can be a New Living Translation, but if you don't read it, this right here is not the best word uh, for what's in my father's house. Uh, we, we've got much better words in, in different translations. In the majority of translations, uh, it says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. Uh, in my father, see, this has confused the whole thousands of years of people by thinking, I got a mansion. You heard, I got a mansion. Moving on up. Me, me and Wheezy, moving on up into the mansion. No, in my, listen. I've asked people this before, and I've seen the hesitation in their eyes, which, knew, which made me know they had the wrong answer. You, you, there's two ways to believe this. Uh, in my father's house, in heaven, there's lots of mansions, and you're going to have one. Or in my father's house, which is the place where God resides, are many dwelling places, and you get a room inside God's house. Now, see, there's a whole lot of difference between the person who says, I want a room in God's house, than I want a mansion on Hallelujah Boulevard. Because I've heard people say for years, God got me a mansion on the corner of Hallelujah Boulevard and Streets of Gold. Uh, we, we heard somebody say 103 Street the other day. Uh, there is no 103 Street in Jacksonville, all right? Get, get, get your verbiage right. That's 103rd. All right, amen? Just trying to help some of y'all driving across bridges to get here. Listen, the, the, there, there's no mansion on Hallelujah Boulevard with your name written on it. And that, even, that isn't even what the people of God want. The people of God just want a room in Daddy's house. The people of God just want to be where he is. See, a lot of people think that heaven's going to be heaven because they're not going to have back pain no more. A lot of people think heaven's going to be heaven because that's where mama and them is at. A lot of people think heaven is going to be heaven because of streets of gold and a crystal sea where we get to fish and we're not fishing, we're catching. Y'all didn't, didn't get that? I wish Brother David was here. I know, I know a lot of us do. Uh, see, Brother David really went. Uh, he went catching. 
He'd go out and catch fish. Most, most of us go out fishing. There's a difference between fishing and catching. Uh, you can read that on bumper stickers of rednecks. What are you talking about, Pastor Scott? Uh, them bumper stickers that say, uh, a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work. Or, I didn't catch anything all day but a 12-pack. Just because you go fishing doesn't mean you're catching. Listen, some people think that that crystal, that that crystal sea, that 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 lake, that 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 river, that that, that the the marriage supper, the feast, the food's gonna be so good. We're, we're gonna eat healing leaves, all this stuff. People try to make heaven out to be all these different things. Let me tell you, heaven's not heaven because of those things. Heaven is heaven because God is there. I know that people get down and emotional and they get in their feelings when somebody dies and they're just trying to say the right thing i had people tell me after my wife died heaven is sweeter now because miss gail is there like that is a horrible thing to say i catch that you're trying to be nice to me and my family but no human being going to heaven ever made heaven any better heaven is heaven because god is there i wish five people could say amen to that I don't want to, if there was a man, if there was a mansion down the road, take a left up the block in the cul-de-sac that I could have, or there was a tiny little three-by-five cell with a prison rack in it inside God's house, I want to be in the house. I want to be close to, you expose yourself with your desire to have a mansion and not to be close to where God is. That word mansion is, 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 is more indicative of a dwelling place. It's like a, a hostel. Anybody know what that is? What, what is it, Deacon Scott? It's a hotel, but it's a, it's a cheap hotel. In Europe, people go to, they don't go to ho- these big hotels like we go to. You can go to Vegas. You know there are 15,000 square foot hotel rooms in Vegas. That's insane. That's too big for a house, much less for a hotel. They don't, this ain't the Hampton Inn, okay? Uh, uh, A hostel is is a place typically in Europe where you go. It's it's got four walls, a door, and a bed. Ain't no no 37-inch color TV with ESPN on it. No, and and ain't no separate bathroom with granite countertops. It's, it's, it's four walls, it's a bed in there, everybody's using the bathroom at the end of the hallway. That's how these kids go backpacking across Europe with no money. I don't recommend it because, uh, you know, I'm more on that Hampton Doubletree side than I am on that host- That hostile sounds hostile to me. <laughs> Trying to knock on there, can I get my shower next? All the hot water's gone. Listen, this is, this is the type of dwelling place that you go. Let, let me tell you something. Any, anybody ever been on a cruise? I, I've been on. I've been on uh, uh, several cruises in my lifetime. I, I've stayed. Uh, I've never stayed in an interior room because I'm like, you know, that just feels like a closet. Some of y'all get them interior rooms. You, you save all that money. That's cool. Uh, you're smart. But I've always had a balcony or a suite because it just makes me feel like more like I'm on a cruise. But even in balcony rooms even in suites now i ain't never been crazy i had a junior suite because i got junior money and <laughs> and so even in even in the suites though they are not big rooms 
Man, y'all get that interior hallway room? Uh, so, hey, some folk got bigger closets than that. Uh, but you know why people are okay with small rooms on a cruise ship? Because they're not planning on staying in that room. They're getting out on that big ship. They're trying to get around, uh, you know, the cruise director and everything else is going on. They're trying to say, oh, what's in, what's in the big theater now? Uh, oh, wow, Big Bang Theory trivia. Uh, We're we going to win that. Me and my kids went in there to win Big Bang Theory. We had it down. We were going to win. We, we were the last question away from winning. Because, listen, we can tell you some things about Sheldon and Leonard, Raj and Howard. We can tell you some things about Penny and, and Ugly Girl. Uh, what's her? Amy Farrell Fowler. We can tell you some stuff about her. And, and that short girl with a lot of mouth on her. Uh, what's that girl's name? Bernadette. Uh, we, we were going to win this thing. We were going to have it on lockdown. There was an Asian family sitting at the top of the big theater, and there was like nine of them. So we're already outnumbered. They got nine brains working on something. We, we, we got, I'll say three because they're in the room. Uh, and and, and they, they, they know that show. So I felt good. I thought, you know, we're going to. Last question. It was such a random question. See, 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 my kids will come at you with, with teenage speak. That's so randy. Where did they get that randy question? They gave us this random question, and I'm like, oh, this could be either or. And, and so, you know, the Asians, they won perfect score, and I was so glad that they won and we didn't. God, God worked this thing out so perfectly for us uh, because the cruise director made them get up there and do the hand motions to I'm a little teapot short and stout. And he made them, here's my handle, here's my mouth. Like, I ain't about to have this whole bunch of cruise ship folk calling me short and fat. That ain't my game. So I, I was glad, but what, what, how did I get on? Oh, hallelujah. People, if you go on a cruise ship and you stay in the room the whole week, you, you missed out on the big stuff. Okay? Because the big stuff is, is, is in the formal dining room. Uh, getting all that food. The, the big stuff is on the Lido deck. I don't know what Lido means, but that, that's where it's happening, okay? Uh, you shouldn't want a mansion in heaven. You should be glad to know. And listen, here's, here's the Lord's promise to you. If you believe in him with a trusting, cling to, rely on him and him alone belief, he got a room for you in daddy's house. Anybody glad to have a room in daddy's house? He said, there's lots of places to sleep in my dad's house. Now, these people, remember what Jesus said? The Son of Man didn't have a home. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. These people were walkers. Some, some of y'all mad at y'all's car. They, they were on feet. You know, now, people my age and older, they remember. No, nobody nobody patty-caked you. Nobody placated you. You didn't have anywhere to go. They told you, get on them feet. Get, get to stepping. Left foot, right foot. Get they were walking, they were laying their head down where they could. Jesus letting them know, look, heaven is better than here. I hope you believe that. Some of you don't have a heart for heaven. 
Some of you so bitter about the life you're living right now, you can't even rejoice that heaven's going to be better. You, you can't even hold on just a little bit longer till you get to heaven. Listen, you got your own place in heaven. We found out uh, in, in Bible study, midweek Bible study, the Lord's going to give you a rock with your name engraved on it that only he and you understand what it means. There's so much good things going to happen in heaven, and Jesus is trying to let them know, look, I know you're down right now, but just believe in me. And know that I, I got a place for you in heaven. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. Listen, he gave them space for doubt. He gave them space to come along at their level. He gave them space to, to, to not have everything figured out. He knew they were hurting. He knew they were disillusioned. He's like, look, you can believe in me. I, there's, there's a place for you in heaven. I, I'm not kidding with you. And then he said, I go to prepare a place for you. I've told you for years. This was word to them then, but it's still word to us now. That's how supernatural this book is. And just as he told those 12 people that night around that table that there is a father's house, there's a place for you in the father's house, he, he can be trusted, and he has gone to prepare a place for us. Now, there's people that go on rants and just love the art of preaching, and they're really gifted orators that make a whole message out of, he's been working on my mansion for 2,000 years. Hey, if God could build the whole earth in six days, uh, how do you think my mansion is going to look? And He ain't been working on your mansion for 2,000 years. He's a good carpenter. Somebody take too long to do your job, you got to start wondering about them. It's not that he's been working on your place for 2,000 years that you need to celebrate. It's the fact that he has a place for you. There's room in heaven for you if you will trust in the Lord as the only way to get there. In verse 3, he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, comma. Now, see, he throws that if word in there, which is funny because he knew some of them were doubting him. Some of them were so stuck in their own depression. They just, you know, you know what quitters, right? One piece of bad news, I quit. That's it. I can't do it no more. They, uh, they, they, don't, have, they, they don't have three types of salt in this restaurant. I'm out. They just, I can't eat here. What, what are you? And just give up at the first sign of anything. And he knew some, some of them were, were barely holding on. So he told them, I'm going. And he said, if I go. Some of y'all not believing me, but I, I wonder if you're in that believe or non-belief part this morning. Listen, you don't have to know everything. You ought to be able to pray like, like the disciples prayed, uh, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe in you, but help me where I'm struggling. He said, look, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Uh, and, 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 and because I'm doing that, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. This is the great hope of all real Christians. Not that our light bill will get paid on time and not get shut off. Not, and, and people take verses. I've heard people take, take a verse and, and say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread to, to try to say that you'll never have a car repo. You're not forsaken because your car got repoed. You just bit off more than you could chew. You're not forsaken because your electricity got turned off. You just didn't manage what you had right. Uh, it's, we we got to get the big picture. Say big picture. The big picture is heaven. And Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to take you to where I live. 
This ought to be enough to fuel your fire for the rest of your days on earth. He's got a place for me, and one day he's coming back for me. He's got a place for me, and one day he's going to take me to where he is. Some of y'all don't care. Mm, I wonder how you feel about your salvation. In verse 4, he said, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, we're about to see in verse 5 some some of the greatest uh, wording in all of Scripture to me. He said, y'all know where I'm going. Y'all know the way I'm going to get there. Now, do you know that there are people in a room that will listen to stuff and have a teacher say, it's okay to ask questions, but be scared to ask a question? Uh, let me see real quick. Let's pretend it's open, open discussion Wednesday night. Why do you think some people in the teaching environment are scared to ask a question? They don't want to look stupid. And then you have these teachers that say there's no stupid question. Well, there is. Stop telling people that. You're raising children wrong. There is. Uh, but he says, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. He knew that they didn't all understand what he was saying. He was giving them room for learning. And in verse 5, Thomas, who we typically call what kind of Thomas? Well, Thomas got a bad rap. Thomas, Thomas was one of the most strongest believing disciples there were. You ought to study the life of St. Thomas and see all that God used him to do in the earth. But Thomas spoke up. Because all the rest of them were, were, didn't, didn't want to sound like they didn't know. And some people just sit and nod their head like, mm-hmm. You can tell them something deep and they'll be like act, acting like they're catching it. They're not catching it. Some of you kids sit in class and the teacher would just be saying any kind of something. You have no idea what they're talking about. But you wouldn't ask a question to save your life. Because one, you don't care enough. And two, you don't want to look stupid. Thomas needed the truth. See, Thomas was one of those brothers that was going to push to find the answer. And he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Then how can we know the way? Now, this looks argumentative. Jesus just said, you know where I'm going, you know the way. Thomas is like, <clears throat> wrong and wrong. We don't know the way, and we sure don't know how you're going to get there. We, you, you just, you're about to die and be with the Father up in heaven? We, we ain't seen that travel map yet. They asked, he asked the question. Uh, one, one of the people I like to read behind is a wordy dude, a deep dude named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And he said that they asked questions that a little boy might ask of his father. Then listen to what he said. Often they showed their ignorance, but never did they seem timid in his presence or ashamed to let him see how shallow and hard of understanding they were. They didn't feel like he was going to tell them, you're so stupid, I ain't even going to answer your question. They knew he loved them, and that they could say, I don't understand that, and that he would give them a real answer. It's okay to not understand things. It's okay to not have it all figured out. It's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to not have all the answers. Just know the one who does. Jesus didn't rebuke him by saying, how dare you say you don't know the way? I just told you you know the way. Jesus is not a taskmaster. He's a loving father. And he tells them in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He's been telling them, I'm going to my Father. He's been telling them, I've got to be killed, 
buried, and I will rise again on the third day and ascend to my Father. He's been telling them over and over and over again, I'm going to my Father. And, and, and he tells them, you know where I'm going, and you know the way. And Thomas is like, I got no clue what you're talking about. Neither do the rest of these people, but they're too cowardly to ask. So I'm going to have to ask for them, what are you talking about? I'm going to my Father. And he said, and no one can come there unless they come through me. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I've told you many times, I'll tell you again, that is where the name for the first name of the religion we now call Christianity was birthed from. That night in the upper room where Jesus told them at his last meal with them, I am the way. And so the, 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 the early movement in, 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 in the 30s A.D., uh, they, they, they said, we, we're in the way. And they were criticized, oh, those are those way people. Now listen, those way people today, there's a cult out there called the way. Uh, they, they're going out of their mind. Don't, don't follow that, but follow Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. I'm not going to preach through all this. There's so much in there. But I, 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 want, I wrote this down because I want to make sure that, that I said it where you could hear it. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without the life, there is no living. Do you know the way? Do you know the truth? Do you know the life? Uh, Jesus is the way that you must follow. It's the truth that you must believe and the life that you can only hope for. He's the way to God, the truth about God, and the life of God lived out in the flesh. The scripture says that he was the physical visible image of the invisible God. He was the very life of Jesus. If we had time, and I'm not going to take it to go further, they, they said, show us this Father. And, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. I'm him in the flesh. Jesus is the only way to God. He said he's the way. Not He didn't say I'm a way. He said I'm the way. He didn't say this is some truth. This is the truth. He didn't say there's lots of ways to have life. There's just the life. And I want you to determine in your own mind today, have you come through the way that Jesus says he is? Do you believe? Because here, here, here's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, because if it wasn't for this, here's the reality. Some of us, I'm in this number. I would serve God if there was no heaven. Just because I love him and I love the relationship I have with him day to day. I would serve God if there was no, no streets of gold, no heaven, and no eternity. Because God's way is a better way in this life than the way I was going. Everybody can't say that. But the big picture is there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. The big picture is there is an eternity and you need to determine where you're going to be throughout eternity. Y'all stay up here. There's an eternity. There's a heaven to gain. And the only way to get to where God is, is through Jesus. We live in a country now that says they promote tolerance and inclusion. Yet every month you'll see some university or some city, this, this month, uh, San Antonio kicked Chick-fil-A out of the airport. 
You can't get you a good chicken sandwich at the airport in, in San Antonio. Why, why would they kick, why do they keep kicking Chick-fil-A off college campuses? Why do they keep kicking Chick-fil-A? Because why? They're not open on Sundays because why? Because of their Christian beliefs. Because of the belief of, of, of the people that started that company. Now, they try to say it's because of their anti-LGBTQ F. They added F. They don't want you to call them the F word. Not that F word in your mind. But they added F. LGBTQ F. Uh, get everybody. They, 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 they kicked Chick-fil-A out because they said Chick-fil-A doesn't accept everyone. Listen, let me tell you something. If you kick someone out, you don't accept everyone either. Preach inclusion but exclude people? McFly. They're not tolerant. They're not inclusive. They're not open-minded. They don't embrace everyone. They, they say, embrace us, but we're not going to embrace you. The, but the, the, the world, the media uh, in the world that we live in is trying to promote tolerance, open-minded, and inclusion as though those were virtues that everyone should espouse. I want you to know this today and hear me well. Those are anti-Christian concepts. The God of the Bible is not inclusive. He is exclusive. He's a one-way God. There's not a lot of way. We, we, we got this thing now. You can't even have anything. You can't have a school function. You can't have a rally. You can't even have a political rally, Democrat or Republican or Independent, and have a Christian minister on stage unless you have a Jewish rabbi, a Muslim imam, a, a, a Buddhist uh, priest, you, you got to have all these different faces up there, and they all smile and act buddy-buddy. But do you know what they all think about each other while they're sitting on that stage listening to people talk about inclusion, tolerance, and open-mindedness? These dudes are all wrong. The world wants us to accept that Muslims are, are, are good people who believe in God. There are many good Muslims that believe in their God, but it's not our God. Well, there's only one, and I hear people say this, and it's just deception that has been built into them. Well, there's only one God, so we must all believe in the same God. No, there's one true God, but there's many false gods. The Scripture is clear about this. And, and, and no one believes in the same God that Christians believe in except people who come through Jesus. Because Jesus, if Jesus isn't the only way, then he is no way. If Jesus is not the only way to God, then he is a liar that cannot be trusted. If Jesus is not the only way, he is a con man who lied to people. See, they won't tell you that when they say, well, uh, you know, you need to embrace your Muslim brother. Listen, I don't have Muslim brothers. I don't have Buddhist brothers. Jesus said plainly, uh, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. You're not of my sheep. You're not of my father. You're of your father, the devil. Do you think that's inclusive? 
Do you think that's open-minded? Jesus said, I'm, on, I'm the only way to get there. That wouldn't work in today's PC culture. They're, 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 they're outing and ostracizing people from Hollywood right now. They, 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 listen, Chris Pratt's so hot, they can't hardly push him away. He got so, 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 so much uh, heat on him as a star, uh, but, but they're trying to ostracize him for the fact that he goes to church. They, they found out he went to a church one time where the pastor said that marriage is between a, a man and a wife. So now they're trying to say that Chris Pratt is anti-LGBTQF and that he hates all homosexuals. I don't hate any homosexuals. I don't hate any Muslims. I don't hate any Buddhists. I, I don't hate any atheists. But they're wrong. I don't hate you if you say two plus two is nine. But I'm not going to say we're both right. If you say 2 plus 2 is 9 and I say 2 plus 2 is 4, we cannot be both right. Somebody's right, somebody's wrong. But the world has tried to shape this. Well, they, they're going to God their way. Some Y'all get mad every time I say it. That's why I keep saying it. Google Oprah. Google Oprah said Jesus can't be the way. Oprah has the modern teaching of, and she says, well, that's just silly and ridiculous. Uh, what, what, a, what a small mind to believe that there could only be one approach to God. You may go through God uh, that you call Jesus, but, but th this other person might go through God that they call the light. And we all have our own journey to travel. And as long as we all end up in the same destination, God knows our heart. God does know our heart. God knows our heart is wicked and needs salvation. Who you call him? Wicked heart. Every human being that ever lived, the Bible says heart is deceitful and it's wicked and it's capable of horrible things. And we all need a qualified Savior. And Jesus is not a madman, a liar, or a con artist. He is the true and living God. And he was trying to help us by letting us know he's the only way to get to the Father. Stop believing that everybody that's a good person is going to make it. Back before there was an Oprah, there was a Donahue. Anybody remember Donahue? Donahue had a dude, uh, a, a Christian man, preacher, on, on his TV one day. And he, he was telling, uh, he was grilling, uh, Donahue was grilling this preacher about there only being one way. And it, he, Donahue didn't accept the born-again fact. And this one lady stood up and she said, Sir, I volunteer, I'm retired. I volunteer all my time as a candy striper at the hospital. Uh, for for uh, burn victims and I help people all day long and I give all my money to the St. Jude Children's Hospital and I'm a candy striper and I, I've, I've, I've lived a life which, which I believe I can be proud of I've never done anything, anybody wrong and, and, and I, I do my best to be a good person and I live by the golden rule I do to others what I want them to do to me. Are you but, but I'm not born again. I don't believe what you believe about Jesus. Are you trying to tell me that the God you believe in is going to punish me in hell? My man sat there flat-footed. Now, this was the 70s. He'd been fired if he'd have said this today. He sat there flat-footed, and he said, Ma'am, that's awesome that you stripe candies and help burn victims. But I will tell you, everybody in this room, Phil Donahue and everybody watching right now on television. Unless you be born again, you will live an eternal death in the devil's hell forever in fire, brimstone, torture, and suffering. 
and she was aghast. Can you imagine running that? Yeah, just, just go ahead, grab Don Lemon off to the side on CNN and say, let me tell you something, dog. All this tolerance and inclusion and acceptance you're you talking about over here, you're going to hell with all the rest of them. You would be looked at as a barbarian. You would, in, in Oprah's own words, how could you possibly be so small-minded to think that there aren't a lot of ways to approach this gigantic thing we call God? Listen, God's not a thing to me. And I don't call him God. He is God. And he said the only way to get to his heaven is through his son. Some of you are going to miss it. But you don't have to. Some of you are going to miss heaven because you've never truly put all of your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said he's the only way to get there. If you don't come through him, you're not going. There's only one other place to go. The question you ought to have in your mind is, am I truly saved? Am, do I really have Bible salvation? Do I have what it's going to take to get me to heaven? Have I truly come by the way? You say, how do I know, Pastor? I've walked aisles. I've prayed prayers. What you got on the inside? The Bible says if you're really in Christ, which means some are and some aren't, if you're really in Christ, you're a new person. That the old things have passed away and new things came. It's not about turning over a new leaf and adding church to your schedule. It's not about changing on the outside. It's about having a supernatural life change on the inside of you that causes the outside to change. Have you ever had a personal encounter with Jesus that changed your life forever? When you pray, are you sure he hears you? When you read scripture, do you know he's talking to you? Do you love him more than you love anything else? And are you willing to follow him to the very end? If not, you don't have Bible salvation. You got some form of religion that will fall short. Because Jesus said the only way to get to the Father is through me. You're not going to get to heaven by being a good person. You're not going to get to heaven because mama was a prophetess. You're not going to get to heaven because daddy laid the cornerstone with the other masons on the, on, this, on, the, on, the, on the big church building downtown. If you get to heaven, it'll only be because you put all of your faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Because his death is what paid the punishment for our sin. Because God said sin must be punished. Jesus took that punishment. The burial was to signify that it really happened to completion. And the resurrection was to give us faith in a God who can beat death, that he could beat death for us. Jesus said that he was going to rise again and be the first of many who would rise. Are you going to rise again? Are you going to rise? Are you going to elevate to heaven or are you going to come up short? The Bible says all you have to do is truly believe that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. I know you believe Jesus was a person, but do you really believe that God raised him from the dead? Do you really believe that Jesus is in heaven, in God's place, prepared for others to come to? Or does that just sound fanciful and like a fairy tale to you? You need to make sure that it's real to you. 
All you have to do is pray. I'm not going to have some long, drawn-out invitation altar call this morning because it doesn't take that. What it does take is for you to, with all your heart, say, I want real salvation. You just ought to pray. If you're not sure you're saved today, you just ought to ask God to save you for real and commit your life to believing in Him and following Him with all that you have. Because I can promise you this. Jesus is God. He is the only way. He's all the truth. And he's the very life of God lived out in front of us so that we could connect to a holy God in our unrighteousness. The Bible says that God made him to be sin for us so that we could be made righteous by him. Don't count on your goodness to get to heaven. Count on the Lord. He's the only way you'll ever make heaven your home. Pray with me, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to pay for our sin. Thank you for your book that teaches us and gives us the words that you spoke. I pray you speak to us now, God. Help us, God, to choose your way above our way. God, for every person in the room who's not truly saved, I pray that you would save them. Give them faith to believe. Let them call on you and have real salvation. I pray, God, that you would encourage the hearts of your children. Help us to not be troubled, God. Strengthen our unbelief. Give us faith where we have doubt. Show yourself strong in our lives. God, I pray that you would raise up a group of people who would follow you no matter whether we understand it, whether it makes sense, whether it's what we desire, God. We ask you, Lord, to have your way in this church, even as it's done in heaven. Thank you for all that you've done and for all that you're going to do. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.